Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I have Nina Manelson on the show, and I'm super excited to welcome her. But before I do, I always give an intro first. So let me introduce you to Nina. She is a body peace coach. She helps people end the war with food and body and finally feel truly at home in their body as it is. She is known for her deeply feminist anti-diet body peace approach. She brings her 30 years experience as a therapist, nationally board certified health and wellness coach, body trust guide and psychology of eating teacher to helping women create a respectful and trusting relationship with their food and body. Nina's body peace work is all in service of helping people get off the diet roller coaster and into a compassionate and powerful way of eating and living which creates a positive, long-lasting change in and within their bodies. Her courses, coaching, and poetry positively change the conversation that women are having with their body. She also writes body poems as a way to encourage a shift in the way we talk to and about our body. Please welcome Nina Mendelson to the show. Thank you for being Hi. here. Oh, Heather, it's totally my delight. Thank you. I'm super excited to dive into this, but before we do, I have to do our icebreaker, which you have no idea what it is, unless you've heard the show. It's always the same. Totally fun. So my question is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Okay. So it's such a poignant question for me because I love cookies and I have a favorite cookie that I actually make. I make it with, it's a, like a chocolate chip, but with everything like walnuts and raisins and cacao nibs. And I use, I do almond flour just because I need to eat gluten-free. Um, I use maple syrup in it, like a really good, like roasty tasting maple syrup and they're dense and they're delicious. So I have this love for those cookies. And when I make them in my family, everybody's like, oh, cookies. And away they go. Like they go in. They don't stay stay long. They don't stay long. And they go like to everybody to work, to school, to wherever they're going. Everybody like, oh, I'm going to take a couple of those with me. And away they go. Now, it's also interesting that I grew up, I grew up dieting. So cookies were, you know, when you talk about memories of cookies, it was always like, oh, there's cookies in the house. And then they disappeared, not out of, oh, I love this. They're delicious. Let's go. But oh my gosh, who's going to get them first? Because we don't have sweets in our house. So sweets and cookies and all those things became this restrictive item that then became this coveted item and then became secret eating. Oh, So literally, like not just cookies, I knew if my mom brought home like candies or sweets or whatever, you know, treat type thing, it would get hidden and I would go looking for it. And I would literally, and I kid you not, find like some random bowl in some back cabinet with a little note from my brother that said, haha, found it first. Oh. So there was a real dynamic growing up. 
competition and also this is forbidden, right? This is not allowed. And it started a pattern of, oh, this is good food and this is bad food and bad food you should restrict, right? It's what our diet culture does to us. Oh, you're, you can eat this, but you can't eat that. And if so you- why, why, mm-hmm. why, where did that start? Like, was there um, a history of obesity or was it just like your parents instilling that and that was instilled on them? Like, how did that come into your, you know, day-to-day life? It's a great question because what you're asking is how does that mentality seep into a family, not just my family, many families, right? When my mom was bringing me up, she was like, oh, we want to be healthy, right? She was a big farmer's market person, a gardener. She's very into healthy living. But what was the model for women to be healthy at that time? Go Mm -hmm. on a diet, right? That was literally the only doorway. You want to be healthy, make yourself be in a smaller body and start dieting now. It's really um, disturbing and kind of fascinating that as a culture, we were, as women, we're only taught this one way of acceptable way of being in our body, which is the magazine cover girl, the perfect, flawless, skinny, little, like tiny size zero two. Right. And that the only way to get there was to manage our body, control our body. Mm -hmm. So what do we learn? What was that? Calories in calories out. Right. That's the model we learned. That model is faulty, but that is the model that was given to us, which is, you know what? You want to feel good in your body. You need to be controlling your body. You need to be on it. You need to be managing. You need to be really restrictive with yourself. And then where does that leave us? When we're restrictive, 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 we suddenly want to go, wah, I'm free. Let me eat whatever I want. Let me have the whole box of cookies. Right. Cause then it's, you binge. Absolutely. And then you make a, you make a, like a deal with yourself. Like, okay, I was bad today. So I'm going to be super good tomorrow. I need a salad because it's going to cancel it. I'm going to go take like a six mile run because that'll cancel it. That's a terrible, terrible way. It, it, very, I mean, it is, it's restrictive and you don't feel it's not food freedom. And right. we, as parents, and I know you and I, you know, you're, you're a mom, you try to model behavior for your kids. I mean, that's what was modeled for you. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember me really being trained that way, but I think it, I, I'm a petite person. I'm five foot one. I've always been super little and I've been active. So I was just skinny all the time. So I didn't have to really learn how to eat until I went to college by myself. When I left Texas, went to Florida and I was on my own and I was not on my sports diet or regimen because I wasn't on the team anymore. Cause I had got injured. So I just learned, I was like, Oh, freshman 15 is a thing. Cause you're not eating and working out your body. So you have to teach yourself. So, um, I can't imagine growing up that way and being told like, no, you can't have that. Or, you know, if it's a fun game, like, Hey, there's a special something around the house, go find it. But if it's every single suite. No, definitely not a fun game. And unfortunately, and I've worked with thousands of women, you know, over many, many years with their relationship with food and body, many women grow up either in that body management world 
or just in body shame. There's something wrong with my body. I should look like that magazine. I should be, you know, running for five miles every single day, rain or shine. I should, I should, I should, because my body is not good enough. And one of the things you spoke to in the beginning of that sentence was, you know, we get into restrictive restriction, then we get into binging, then we get into making the promises to ourselves, right? So what you're speaking to there is a very important dynamic to kind of shine a light on. And that is the diet cycle, right? So the diet cycle is like, okay, I feel bad. I did something. I ate something. I don't like the way I look. My, my body is not the way I want it to look in these clothes in the mirror, whatever. Okay. I'm going to do something about it, right? There's this big motivation. That's what starts the beginning of the cycle. Then great. What's my new plan? Is it keto? Is it paleo? Is it raw food? Is it all the millions of you know, fad diets and ins and outs of dieting that's happened, right? What am I going to hang on to? Great. I have a plan. Okay. So that's the next step in this diet cycle. I have a plan. I'm on this plan. It's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm losing weight. I feel great. I feel in control. Someone else is telling me what to eat and what to do. It feels so good, right? But there's only so long we can abdicate that relationship with food to a diet. Eventually our inner knowing our body, our needs, our desires say, excuse me, hello, about me over here. And our desires get so big. And then suddenly we're like, oh my gosh, there goes the whole box of cookies. What happened? Right? So now we're sort of at the bottom of the cycle. If you think of it as a circle, I failed again. Oh my gosh, I am terrible. I can't get this food and body thing right. This is bad. I am bad right? It's not the diet is bad. It's not that the cultural way of thinking about this, it's not that abdicating our relationship to, of, with food to somebody else's plan is bad, is bad. Nope. We make ourselves bad. So I failed. Now I'm in shame, right? And we sit there feeling helpless until, oh my gosh, I don't feel good. And then bam, we're right at the back, top back of the cycle it. and around we go. And most women, unfortunately, think this is what a relationship with their body is. Or you've also got the other end of things where you enter into a program where it's like a certain length. And so you're super great for that (laughs) certain length. And then at the day it's over the next day, like there's the one out there and I won't name the names of all the things, but there's a 30 day one, right? And you can't Uh drink on it. Can't do a bunch of things. Day 31, boom. Like right. I'm drinking a beer, I'm drinking this. And then and I'm like, well, we haven't had it in 30 days. I go, okay. So if you just go back to what you were doing prior to the 30 days, what good was the 30 days? Yeah. So you should probably find something that implements all the things that you want all the time. Yeah. So then so- it'll work for you and your lifestyle and your desire. And it makes you feel good instead of feeling deprived. And like, I can't have that until... Oh, three more days, right? Like a detox, even like I can detox in yeah. for X, Y, Z. And then you go right back into it. And I'm going to go deep. I'm going to detox in six more months anyway. And just, <laughs> I mean, right. I think a good detox is good just to maybe, I mean, I correct me if you have a different view. I think that a time of like maybe honing in on just super clean, 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 just to maybe because you need a reset or you're trying to feel more energy and maybe you're just snacking on things that are 
just maybe you're having a hard week. Maybe you're on your period. I don't know, like whatever it is. Right. But Heather, you're speaking to something so important, which is that all or nothing. Yes. Right. I'm being really good. I'm being really, oof. I'm being really good or I'm being really bad or I'm eating just right. Or I'm eating all the bad things, right. I'm on or I'm off that black and white thinking is a roller coaster. And Mm -hmm. what it usually leads us to is weight cycling, right? So I lost weight. Oh my gosh, I feel awesome. But now I'm off my program, whatever that program is. And now, okay, my weight is up and now I feel bad. And there's problems, not just us feeling bad about ourselves problems, but weight cycling, that dieting has tons of research behind it that really shows it's detrimental to our health. So if we think, great, I'm going to go on this thing and fine, I'll lose some weight, but then, you know, yeah, maybe I'll gain it. But if we go on that weight cycling roller coaster, we're actually harming our body. There's research about it being detrimental to heart health. Yes. To Yo-yo bone density. terrible for your heart. Right. All of those things. So if there's a desire, you know, and, and I don't want to negate our desire to evolve, to feel good, to add nourishing foods into our life, but that's the operative word, adding, not subtracting, right? Unless it's making you sick or it's something that's right harmful to your right because yeah. you know right we do elimination where something is making me not feel so great so you start eliminating and then adding them back that's a different type of situation and that is right? right so for me if i add gluten back in right i immediately just i get so tired it's like literally like having weights on my eyelids i just get incredible fatigue i'm exhausted so you know what gluten is not a food that loves me back I want to eat food. I want to love food that loves me back. Right. And I want to be eating food that supports me, right? This is where we get into what is our relationship with food? Are we doing it by some book that somebody else wrote because it worked for their body? Or are we taking the time? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are we taking the time to get to know what our body needs and wants and what works best and how to honor her? And also you have to look at the factors of what is also feeding possibly why you're doing the things you're doing. Maybe you're self-sabotage, maybe you're just extra stressed, or maybe it might be comfort eating versus not eating because you're stressed. This was me. Like, I just don't have an appetite when I'm stressed and I acknowledge that. So I make myself try and at least have a protein shake because I won't be sustainable. I won't be able to sustain my energy not eating just because I'm stressed. And so just making the conscious effort to be like, I do need to, like, I'm not hungry. I know, or I'm busy, but I need to, because I'm going to be hangry and grumpy later. And then I'll be tired. And then I'm going to be playing catch up tomorrow. Right. So really knowing what's feeding those habits too. Absolutely. And what you're something I ended up saying, like there was one week I said it, I don't know, like 20 times to like groups that I was teaching. I was like, wow, why is it that I'm saying this so much? And it was, we're human and humans require food, right? It's (laughs) anything living, really (laughs) anything living. We are humans. Humans require food because on both ends of what you're talking about, right? If you're somebody who runs into anxious and in anxious, you end up losing your sense of appetite 
and hunger. Well, you know what? I'm still a human who needs food. And if you're somebody who gets stressed or anxious or depressed and then leans towards using food to soothe, you know what? You still get to eat. Even if you ate a lot the night before, you still, you're still allowed to have breakfast. We are humans. Humans require food to live. Food is fuel, which food, is energy, which is now is. you get all the science of what gets converted and what's good for hormone balance. I mean, you can get into all, I mean, everything works together. It does all work together. And what's so important is what, what are the ways that, let me say this in a different way, all of our unwanted eating behaviors are messages. So if there's something that you're doing that you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did that. I just skipped like breakfast and lunch. What happened there? right? Or, oh my gosh, I couldn't stop eating. I woke up and I just kept going, nibble, 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 went to sleep, right? Whatever. Or, oh my gosh, I ate the whole thing and I binged or I totally blew past feeling hungry and now I'm super full and painfully full and wonder what the heck did I just do to myself? Whatever that unwanted eating behavior is, there is wisdom in there. I know it's a weird thing to say, but Mm -hmm. we want to erase that unwanted right? We want to fix it. We're like, okay, I don't like the way this is rolling. Let me change this. Let me fix this. But there's something incredibly powerful to ask, how is this actually serving me? What is this behavior doing for me? Not to me, not at me, but for me, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm nibble, 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 nibble all day long, Is it possible that like something is going on that I don't have enough energy and I keep trying to like boost my energy, boost my energy, boost my energy. Is it I'm doing working on a project that's super stressful and the choo-choo is like a release for me, right? Is it I missed blue past breakfast and lunch and didn't eat and then ate a huge dinner? Is it easier for me just to disembody, not be in my body all day until my body's screaming at me, right? There is a message in our eating. Our relationship with our food has so much to tell us. And it's so important to go, wait a second, this is my relationship with food, not the keto book, paleo book, the whole 30 book, South beach diet, book, South beach diet book. Uh, yep. All diet. of that. Mm-hmm. And many of those, frankly, were written by men for men's bodies. I know. I know. Which no one knows. Nobody knows that they were written by men. So I'm like, hello, not my body. That's been through hormone changes, right? That's been through cycles for months and months and months of my life. Right. To honor our body, our women's wise body is to really say, wait, what's the, my approach to eating, right? Some of the words that, that uh, some of my clients have adopted that I really love. Um, it's one of the programs I teach. What's my compassionate eating approach? What's my considerate eating approach? Um, there's a whole movement that that I'm also trained in, intuitive eating approach. Yes. What's my that. what's my connected eating approach? Right. I'm connected to myself. I'm connected to my family as I sit here. I'm connected to this lovely restaurant I went to. Right. I'm connected to what's happening in my life. Right. What is your approach? So I think if like anybody who's listening, who's looking like, what's the next approach? You know, what's my next diet? 
The question is, what's your approach? How do you want to be in your relationship with food and body? And sometimes that needs support, right? That's like what I do. I do body peace coaching. Sometimes we need support to unpack our old beliefs around food, our old beliefs around our body, and start to cultivate a more connected, nourishing, positive, caring, respectful relationship with our food and body. So going into the body peace method or your program, mm-hmm. so what does that entail? And then how, if listeners, cause what you're saying, it's very, it's a, it's a bunch of approaches put in. And it's very clear because there's it's typically when you, when you talk about food, it's this or that like very black and white. And so how you're speaking about it, it's just very well, it's peaceful and it's very just soothing. And so if, if listeners are resonating with this, how can you tell them a little bit more about body peace and then also how they can get into it or find out more? Yeah. So the body peace approach, I really think of as a path and I think of it as a practice, right? Because often we're taught as a society, I'm going to do this thing and then we're done. Check, fixed my body but that's not the truth of it. We need to wake up in this body, hopefully for a very long time, Mm -hmm. right? We need a practice that helps us feel connected to really listen to our body and her cues and to respond accordingly. So some of the foundational work in body peace is really, okay, I have a body. I'm not just a, a head on a stick right? I have a body and it has sensation. And that sensation, that language of my body has messages, right? So we really work on embodiment. We work on body listening. We work on how to honor and have a good conversation and respond with respect. So there's different programs. I have a very powerful Body Peace Seekers program, which is a group program, and Body Peace Keepers, which is a more intimate program, really for people who are really ready to make the shift in their relationship with their body. And there's a great way to start, to to answer the question, how do you like start the path or how do you get in touch with me on my website? You can go to Body Peace with Nina and, on there is a very powerful practicing body peace journal. And it's got 20 questions on there that invite you into this deeper conversation. What is this relationship? How is it going? How did I learn this relationship, right? I learned this relationship from hidden food in my house, right? Right. I was like, as a kid, I'd go to my friend Susie's house and there was like bowls of candy. And I was like, well, huh? Yeah, they just leave leave candy out and people don't just eat it all, right? Because there was no restriction. They were being invited to listen to their bodies. You probably, I mean, I don't know, like my kids this morning were asking for popsicles for breakfast, seven o'clock in the morning. And I wanted an extra 20 minutes to just like, you know what, grab a fruit kind. Like, (laughs) it's just, I don't, oh, well, it's summer and it's got, I mean, Great. It's got high, who knows if that's high fructose. Like just grab one that has fruit. Don't, don't grab a chocolate one. (laughs) And that's it. It is what it is because it's not worth the argument. And I don't want them to feel like they can only have it sometimes. However, it's like, it's special. It was breakfast. (laughs) It's like, 
nah, we're just going to not like, just remember this later when you guys ask me for another one to say, well, you started your day off like this. So we're just going to go backwards. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that sort of that's food freedom, right? And kids learn to make choices. If we trust them with their choices, like, and give them choices, sometimes they will choose a popsicle for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But sometimes they'll be like, oh my gosh, if you don't give me something real, you know, like some protein, I, I need to fuel this body. Yeah. And actually my son, who's eight, uh, I'm taking him to the movies later at just me and him. I'm going to go see the dinosaur movie because he's been (laughs) looking forward to it. We need a mother's son date. And he even said to me, well, I won't have any sugar at the movies. I said, you can have a cell. This is going to be a special time. We don't do this all the time. Just because you start your day off with a popsicle, like doesn't mean you can't have something later. And so, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you can, it's fine. But you're speaking to, I trust you with your body, right? Ah. What I was raised with was no, you can't trust your body. You need to trust the rules that are out there about how to be in a body, right? right. When we say to our kids, there are choices, and then ask them, you know, so how did that feel? Right. I remember once, you know, or many times when my kids were little and they'd be like, can I have more? And I was like, are you, how hungry are you? Like, it's their question. It's their answer. Right. right. It's your body. You're in there. Are you full? Are you hungry? Do you need more? Do you want to pause? Do you want to put it away for later? Right. Mm-hmm. It's modeling. And as mothers, it is so important. We're so concerned about how our kids are and their relationship with food and body. But the most important thing we can do is heal our own relationship with food and body because they are watching. Yes, They're watching what you say to yourself when you get dressed in the morning. They are watching what you say to yourself when you walk by, by a mirror or see the reflection of your butt in a window. They are watching what your parents say to you about your body. Oh, you've gained weight. Oh, you've lost weight, right? They're watching what you say to other girlfriends. Oh, I'm on this diet. Oh, no, what about that diet? Oh, I lost two pounds this week. They are watching and listening and they are developing their relationship with their body from that model. And so it's so important for us to do our healing work so that we feel at home in our body, because the more we feel free and at home and can get in that bathing suit and walk on the beach, no matter what, the more they go, yeah, this is a good place to be. I like living in my body. Yeah. And it's also how you learn, you learn as an adult, like it's, it's actually funny. I have a huge sweet tooth. I'm a very petite person. I work out when I can, not as often as I would like, because I know it feels good. It's not to keep me skinny or whatever. It helps me feel good and gives me energy. Um, and it's something I enjoy. My mom literally will always say like, I'm surprised And my sister says it too. She's like, I can't believe like you didn't end up obese and diabetic because you're amount of sweets and sugar that you liked and ice cream. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not an animal. Like I understand, like I I was a kid too. Like it's different. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult. I don't eat like that. Now I understand as an adult that like, I can't sustain a healthy lifestyle living off of sugar and ice cream. Yeah. No. And it also models not healthy habits for my children. So it's not amazing that I'm not this person. It's because I've, 
I've done where I, I can control myself. Now there's others that maybe can't, but for me personally, when I get that, that they always laugh about it is like, well, it's, you let me have it. So you obviously weren't worried about it. If it was really a big worry, you would have stepped in or tried to restrict, but you weren't because I feel like they understood that they were modeling good behavior. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Right. That they trusted you with your own body. Right. right. And the most powerful thing they also did was model eating a range of foods. Yeah. Right. Oh, there are other foods in the world. So then we, they grow up and they're like, Oh, let me try this. Let me try that. How does this feel when I eat this, when I eat more of that, when I eat more of this, right. They get, you are modeling for your kids, just like your family modeled for you. What does it feel like to be a diverse eater? Experimental never ends. I get a snack. I always know like, probably won't be able to eat that because my kids are going to come and ask for some, which is great. It helps them. Like they want what mommy want has. Yeah, so if yeah. I have something healthy, they're going to ask and try. Yeah. Yeah. If I have something bad of course, or not bad, I'm going to say if there's something not as nutritious, it's like a piece of candy, sugar, whatever, they're going to want that too. So it's also just eating different things that peak curiosity, especially for little ones. Yeah, absolutely. And choices. Right. When yes. my kids are little, we, we, one of our, the classic meals we always had, I loved component meals, right? Meals that you can put together yourself at the table. So tacos are like the perfect example of now a they component say it's meal. Deconstructed. The yes. Name, now the they term, call right? it right, deconstructed <laughs> meals. Trendy. But I love, <laughs> um, but I love, there's, I could go on and on about deconstructed I know, right? meals, but I won't. But in terms of, you know, then there's a choice, right? There's different vegetables to put in. And then if they're stuffing their taco just with cheese, I'm like, make a choice of two other things on this table. Make it a little more interesting. Yep. Right? You never know. If you don't like it, give it to me and right. they try again. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I mean, that's just great advice. I love it. And um, I'm so thankful for you to be here and talk more about it. And I really encourage the listeners to seek you out and, and learn more. I love your approach and just, you're just so your aura is very peaceful and you just I get very like calm vibes and you're, you guys cannot see her, but like, she's got like a really like lilac purple background with a beautiful silver. Mirror. It's just a very beautiful, soothing. Or like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, thank you for reflecting them back. And I think that, you know, I create that sense of beauty and ease because that is an experience I have been craving in my own body for my life, right? That sense of it's okay. Like it can be calm. We can be in that turn down nervous system state, right? Activate that parasympathetic nervous system that Mm -hmm. rest and digest. And we need that because when we're in stress mode and we have a history of disordered eating of any kind, right? What are we going to do to try to cope with that stress? Food becomes the way that it shows up. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge. And uh, can we follow you on social media? Yes, I am at Nina Mandelson on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, uh, mostly Instagram and Facebook. And also find me at my website. 
ninamandelson.com. Good. It'll all be in the show notes for anyone to go and find. I strongly encourage them, you to look up Nina and see what she has to offer. And thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.